the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Friday the night. Dear two did the Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewinter. Alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good, Good morning. morning. What's going on? Oh, not too much. Wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Papa Stone. It's his birthday today. So nice. we'll, uh, big big uh, 5-0 today for Papa Stone. Man, it's a big birthday. Oh, yeah. Has he big. bought like a motorcycle or a sport boat or anything yet? Not not that I'm aware of just yet. As far as I know of, he just he said uh the, the big lab woke him up at back at the parents' house this morning, so he's uh might be your birthday, but the world keeps spinning, you know? Ain't that the truth. Ain't well happy birthday truth. to Papa Stone. Yep, he's uh as far as I know of, he woke up and he's I guess just walking around the house right now, probably just <laughs> watching the dogs, knowing him. Hopefully so, more clothes than Luke was when he called in from Listen, man. Charleston. What happens in that Charleston Holiday Inn stays in that Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> I made sure when we were doing the uh, show from New Haven that everybody was appropriately dressed. I almost made him get into business attire. I was like, hey, we're going to wear a shirt and tie sitting in this uh, in this hotel room doing this. Uh, but yeah, happy birthday. Always good. Oh, yeah. Love, gotta love a dad's September birthday. My dad's birthday was on the 1st. Oh, no, really? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Is our, all dad, was your dad's what? birthday in September? Uh, no, July. Okay. Oh, was, okay. Well, that works. Yeah, so. Close enough. It's a couple can, months. Yeah, that uh, messes up my algorithm there for a second. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we had a lot of stuff going on yesterday sports-wise. We had, uh, well, the first ever Ernie McCook show live over on 95.9 The Big Dog. We'll talk about that uh, here in a little bit. And of course, well, we got some football going on tonight. Luke, and our game of the week is Jefferson against Musselman at Jefferson. And this one, well, it looks like it's shaping up to probably be one of the more, in my opinion, anticipated games, really, of the year. Yeah, and the anticipation for this one, like you said, just continues to build as the days go on. Uh, we know exactly, I think, what we're going to get from Musselman. Uh, Baden Hartman's been great through his first couple of games, their quarterback. Uh, Ray Adamas, as well, may prove by the end of the night that he's the best wide receiver in the EPAC. Although there's some stiff competition, of course, at that position as well. They're good on the defensive side of the ball. They gave Musselman a really good half. So I, I think we know what Musselman's coming to the table with, but Jefferson's such an enigma. Mm-hmm. Their first half, week one, they looked amazing. And then Millbrook started to come back, and then they kind of got hand handled by Sharando in week two, but they've got great wide receivers. You know that there's enough weapons there to uh, kind of intimidate, or not intimidate, but make uncomfortable Brian Thomas of Musselman who came on the show uh, yesterday, and special thanks for him to, for coming on. Um, they've got the playmakers to be explosive. They're young on their offensive and defensive lines, but they're talented. Uh, and it's no secret that there's talent at every position for each of these two teams. And the winner of this game for the time being, because Hedgesville is right on their heels, is going to be the second best team in the EPAC. And we've talked about this conference, we think comfortably having three playoff teams, if not four. That fourth team is going to be put in a little bit of disarray because they're going to pick up their second loss tonight because it's going to be one of Musselman and Jefferson who starts the year one and two. Now, you'd say it's not the biggest deal for Musselman because they've played Martinsburg already. Well, they also played Bridgeport and Morgantown yeah. and Sharando. Yeah. So they've got you know they've still got some tough football in front of them. So I would make the argument 
Uh, kind of contrary to what Parker said yesterday, that Musselman needs this game a little bit more than Jefferson, but it can go either way. I'm excited to see how it uh, uh, it, it turns out, and we'll, of course, have our pregame coverage beginning about 6.50 tonight with the kickoff of that game at 7 p.m. Yeah, and for Musselman, I mean, uh, Parker, this is, I mean, this is more of a saving face game than anything after that loss to uh, Martinsburg last week where it was tight. I mean, what it was like a touchdown game going into halftime and then yeah. ends up going to a mercy rule uh, <laughs> at the end of the game, which I still, and I've talked to multiple people about the game at this point, and I still don't, my brain can't comprehend how they scored that many points in such a little amount of time. But I think that's why this is an important game for Musselman because they got to show people that, yeah, that might that was just a fluke. Now we're here and we're still one of the top teams in the EPAC. Yeah, and I think a big thing for Musselman tonight is show they can score more than like 25 points a game because last game they scored 20. They beat Spree Mills by 27. Let's see him get 30, 40 up on the board tonight. And you want to talk about an offensive firepower game. I think this is the one you want to watch out for. Again, we talked about Baden Hartman. He's a great quarterback and a guy who's probably going to get some offers here looking at throughout the rest of the season. Running game, I like to give the advantage to Jefferson in that one. He got Evan Toole leading the way for the Cougars in that one. And, and Tayshawn Roper. And Tayshawn mm-hmm. Roper as well. That's a good run game that Jefferson has. And then the receiver side, we mentioned before, while we think Ray Adamas – well, Luke and I probably think he's the best wide receiver overall in the EPAC, just when you mix everything together. Jefferson has the depth, which I don't think Musselman has, because I think you alluded to a little bit before, Luke, how they it's in the second half, they shaded more towards Adamus Martinsburg did, and that kind of shut down the passing game for Musselman. So I'm going to be interested how Coach Thomas and Musselman are going to react to that, because I feel like a lot of attention is going to be put on Adamus in the passing game for the Appleman. And how are they going to respond? Are they going to use more option plays to get Hartman out in the middle of the field? Are they going to rely more on the run game? And mainly, how are these two defenses going to respond? Because I feel, again, this is going to be a high-scoring game. There's going to be a lot of points put on the board, and there are going to be a lot of great athletes in this game. So if you got the chance, come on out to Jefferson tonight, because this is going to be, I think, arguably one of the best games, if not the best game we're going to get all season long here in the EPAC. And as uh, you heard Luke say, we'll be broadcasting that live right here on WPM and WCST, the pan can, the pan candle, the pan handle news network for That's our a nice little side business idea. <laughs> no, the, the pan, pan candle. candles, the pan, the pan, pan candle. candles. Oh, that would be pretty good. Trademarked. I thought you might say the pan. No, nobody take that. Put it in a cast iron like pan or something. Exactly. Make a little art to a little. Oh, maybe might be on something. We might be on to something. Might, might be something. Yeah. Nobody can take that idea. But that'll be our pan handle game of the week right here on WPM and WCST, the pan handle news network. But. Uh, of course, soccer's still in full swing around the EPAC, and you were out uh, catching a little bit of action yesterday, too. Yeah, absolutely. It was a fun match to watch yesterday, and of course, uh, on the topic of the beautiful game, uh, Panhandle News Network would <laughs> extend our condolences, of course, to the Queen uh, and her passing yesterday. But I-, I got to catch up with head coach Ahmed Suazo again. This was a game that, um, uh, between Spring Mills and Washington, I was excited to see Washington uh, for the first time in the winners, and they run a little bit of a unique system. Um, Spring Mills, frankly, dominated possession, spent a lot of time on the ball, had a ton of shots, uh, but that first goal wouldn't come. So, you know, it was all about patience when I talked to Suazo after the game. It was Isaiah Briggs again uh, on a beautiful corner delivery uh, from Andrew Landsberger that set up the game's only goal. Washington put up a good fight on the counter. They looked promising at times, but, you know, in the end, I think Spring Mills deserved the win based on how they played, and uh, patience was the name of the game when I talked to Suazo after this one. Coach, how important is patience in a match like that? You guys dominate possession, have decent looks at goal, but that opening goal doesn't come until late. You know, how important is it to play within yourself, stick with the system, and eventually that goal ends up coming? Well, uh, it's very important because when you uh, play your game, that gives you confidence, you know, that, that you're going to score and you're going to control the game. But evidently, you know, in the beginning it was a little bit rough, but thank God later on, you know, uh, 
get better. No, Isaiah Briggs is great again. He gets the goal, but I want to talk about your back line tonight. Levi Briggs was fantastic in defense, and the Landsbergers as well. It's a team effort in the end, but you know, uh, a couple of nights ago, it was more so your attack that gets the win. But tonight, I think your defense was spectacular. Well, I always, I always know there's a team effort. You know, somebody had to score the goal, but the defense was great. The midfielder was great today too, and the striker was great. But I think it's a team effort. I, I don't like to particular, you know, uh, poor players there. Different play really great today. Definitely they play great, but I mean, I think it is a team effort. And uh, I'm be glad and give thanks to God for the winning, the honor and glory to Jesus Christ our Savior, you know. Uh, take me through the goal there on that set piece. It seemed as though Briggs got a little bit free there, was able to get that header, and it was a fantastic ball from Landsberger as well. well. We always practice that set of pieces because you know what, when the game is really, really rough and tight, um, set of pieces like that corner kick or free kicks uh, can give you the difference and hey, this time happened you know pay off <laughs> and uh, lastly coach you obviously have to tip your hat to washington they stay in this match have a couple of decent shots against you guys it really speaks to the talent of the conference out here obviously you guys have let yet to lose against the panhandle team but washington really played their hearts out tonight i can tell you that everything here is very rough i mean we know we don't have easy trip everything we're gonna play we they come in hard and and it's not easy. Whatever thing we play in this area here, man, Washington played a really good game tonight. I mean, really, really, they, they play a really good game. They can tie the game any time, too. I mean, you know what's very close, and you know what? We, uh, thank God we get the victory. <laughs> and again, Spring Mills is starting to separate themselves from the rest of the pack in the EPAC. Uh, I've got to see them now against Hedgesville and Washington, two very good programs, back-to-back -back games. They handle Hedgesville 3-1, to get the late goal there to make that one a little bit more of a non-contest, and they outplay Washington. Again, credit where credit is due to the Patriots because they were staunch in defense. Uh, they did a really good job of maintaining Briggs earlier. It was just that set piece he got free. You know, obviously they weren't playing for a draw, but you could tell they were just a little bit overmatched. Now, what's key is when these teams start to play each other the second time in the playoffs, what's going to change, what adjustments are going to be made, because Hedgesville knocked out Spring Mills in the postseason last year after getting demolished by them in the regular season. So a lot can change. On the boys' side of things, I've now seen five of the six teams. I haven't seen Musselman yet. Uh, turning my attention back to the, the girls' side of uh, EPAC soccer here in the next couple of weeks to get a feel for them as well. It's very competitive soccer, but it's safe to say at this point in the season that the Cardinals are the team to beat. Yeah, make sure you head over to EP News Network on Twitter to catch uh, all that action. Luke will be heading out to more soccer games, I'm sure, uh, throughout the year. So uh, it'll all be happening over on our Twitter page at EP News Network. But we'll step aside. We'll hit our first break. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, the first ever Ernie McCook show, which was last night, live out of Captain Benner's Tavern in historic downtown Sharpsburg, Maryland. Uh, you can listen live to that every Thursday at 730 over on 95.9 The Big Dog. But we'll hear back from a little bit of that uh, after the break on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Every time I hear that uh, rejoin Parker, I just think back to our riveting uh, wrestling talk on Tuesday. <laughs> I just I can just picture somebody coming down. Who was the guy that did like all the arm stuff when he came walking down? Jeff Hardy. Yeah, I can see Jeff Hardy walking out to that for sure. <laughs> see Jeff Hardy walking out that. Uh, but make sure you head over to our Twitter page at EP News Network. Uh, that's where you know you can find a lot of our uh, you know sports coverage and things like that over there. Uh, but also, if you check out uh, at EP News Network on Twitter, you see that we just retweeted some pretty big news. Yeah, absolutely. Martinsburg's Cam Shallis, uh, linebacker, has been a staple on the defensive side of the ball for the Bulldogs for the last couple of years. 
He's committed to play his football at WVU. I think it's an interesting selection for somebody uh, that had some FCS offers, that had some interest, and I'm sure may get some more offers as the season goes on uh, to go the WVU route. Um, what that says to me is somebody that's, uh, again, uh, a linebacker and a defensive-only player from Martinsburg, although he's gotten some carries before. Um, you think about Dante Bonamico. You mm-hmm. think about... Um, Oh, his name just escapes me. The Morgantown, Beiser, uh, yeah. whose son's there, uh, of guys that their first couple of years, you know, the first year they don't really play. They get in the weight room. They try to get more athletic. The second year, maybe they're a special teamer. But by the end of their WVU careers, you know, they're plug-and-play guys on the defensive side of the ball because they're so tough and hard-nosed. And I think Neil Brown recruits the state very well. So Shallis isn't necessarily somebody that's going to be lighting up uh, a WVU uh, Mountaineer Stadium, I should say, anytime soon. But down the road as a special teamer and then especially his junior season or, and senior year, I expect him to have an impact. And we always want to shout out guys recruiting. Jameer Hunter, his teammate, picked up an offer from Mercyhurst, the wide receiver. Uh, and Will Shively, who's a really key piece of the Jefferson basketball team, picks up an offer from Waynesburg. So, you know, that's kind of how it starts, especially as far as Hunter's concerned. It starts with the Mercyhursts, and then as years go on, um, we've also seen uh, Keyshawn Robinson from Jefferson, the receiver. He's starting to get some interest mm-hmm. from WVU, Penn State, things like that, just mm-hmm. kind of been nibbling around. So all kinds of stuff to keep an eye on. But uh, the concrete one, congratulations to uh, Cam Shallis. And uh, quickly to both of you, this question, uh, how do you feel about guys you know, making that move to go to a big D1? Of course, not everybody's going to be that five-star recruit that's going to start immediately, right? Or even be a second teamer immediately. But um, you know, a lot of these guys are not going to play until they're junior year maybe their senior year so do you think maybe you know these that there should be a little bit more maybe thought about going to say Shepard or Frostburg a smaller school D2 maybe even a D3 or small you know 1A school rather than going and knowing that you're going to sit for so long but still being in that system in the program of a D1 I just think that the stranglehold that WVU has on the minds of West Virginia kids playing high school football is so much more than just about any other school in the country. You know, I think if you're somebody from Illinois and you had the option to go to Missouri and maybe play as a senior or go to Illinois State and play right away, that you'd go to Illinois State. But just because of how much West Virginia means to kids here and... You know, the Mountaineers haven't been shy about saying, you know, and I'm sure it's been honest in this recruiting, you know, we're, we're not going to come in and put you in, in, as a mm-hmm. starter on our defense right mm-hmm. away. But look at Bonamico, look at yeah. Beiser, look at Preston Fox as your fifth wide receiver. Just because you're a walk-on, not even a preferred walk-on, you know, Neil Brown's going to play the guys that play. Yeah. So you can come here and win a job. Or you can come here, get in the best shape of your life, and then recruit and uh, transfer for out somewhere else so that that's kind of what it comes the down portal to is, does kind of change yeah, things too yeah it's, it's just west virginia means so much to kids around here yeah i think you nailed the i think you nailed it right on the head there just the way wvu is compared to other states within the nation it like wvu is the end all be all for everybody here mm-hmm. it, like you know in wisconsin people talk about the badgers and the packers in minnesota they talk about the vikings and the golden gophers here it's wvu and that's it that's that's the big staple there and if you can go to WVU, I think a lot of kids will want to go play for the Mountaineers. It's what they've watched growing up as kids. It's what they've dreamed of doing, to be honest with you. But looking at that now, again, you're not going to be getting everybody can't go to WVU. Yeah. That's that's the reality of the situation. And this has opened opportunities for kids to get probably earlier playing time for places like Frostburg State, places like Shepard, who have been very successful at the Division Two level and have been very, and both these teams are going to make a lot of noise. I think come playoff time because I believe Frostburg is now eligible to play in the playoff this mm-hmm. year. I think they've met the standard for playing Division Two since after winning the MEC in their first year last year. Yeah, yeah. so they'll be, they'll be eligible this year. That's a team I think Shepard might have to see come playoff time if, when the time comes. And 
It, I think it all depends on what you want as a player. Do you want to play at the prestige of WVU in that program, or do you want to play as soon as you can and get the winning within Shepard or a Frostburg State or other schools that might be smaller in size at WVU but would have the same level as football prestige if you look at things like that? Well, I'd put the Shepard Rams up against well a lot of big D1 – well, maybe not big D1, but a lot of D1 schools will say um, because, I mean, the, the talent that has come through Shepard in the last couple of years – last well, call it – decade, I guess, at this point, had just been incredible. And last night was the first uh, Ernie McCook show heard live over on 95.9. The Big Dog starts at 7.30. Uh, we could have talked for two, three hours, I think, Coach and I, out of Captain Bender's last night. Uh, but if you missed it, you can listen to the full episode uh, over on our uh, WPMWCST Facebook page uh, and also on Twitter. But among other things, of course, we were talking about Bajan. Of course, we were talking about uh, you know a couple of the guys. I'm really getting to know Coach McCook a little bit. Uh, well, we talked about last week. And last week, they played a Thursday game. It was really the first game in college football, I think, that kicked off as they went up to New Haven to face the Southern Connecticut State University Owls. It ended up being a 48-7 win. Uh, it was a blowout. And, well, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be. I was expecting a Rams win wasn't expecting it to be like that and I was able to uh, ask coach a little bit about that game this past Thursday want to know uh, coming into well this week the first home game against Edinburgh the Scots are coming into town uh, but a big win last week 48 to 7 you got to travel all the way up almost seven uh, seven hours uh, to get a big win like this so what was the prep like coming in to Southern Connecticut they had a big FBS win last year or the season prior last year uh, but then the rest of the season didn't really go to plans they had some injuries they lost a the quarterback and things like that so what was the prep like coming into that especially with such a long travel trip at the beginning of a year with kids you know still trying to figure mm -hmm. out school and classwork and things like that well fortunately we had we started school a little bit earlier yeah so I, I always hate our opening game being the same week we start classes yeah um that's always tough but I, you know what our kids i think did a tremendous job in the travel um you know and i think our, our we we have a we have a process where if we're going to open on thursday night to kick off the season we have, you know, we have a plan for each day going up to that, you know, and how that practice goes or in our, our coaches' preparation. I, I love starting on a Thursday night to kick the season off. Oh, eyes on you. Yeah, because, well, that and you also get a mini bye week. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, Southern Connecticut did give us skill nervous. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, they had beat Central Connecticut the year before to kick off the season. And, you know, when, when I talked to their head coach about the game, he said, I said, man, he was. He kind of gave me a compliment about our team. And I was like, hey, man, you beat a 1AA team to kick the season off. And he goes, well, we lost a quarterback in that game. And he was in the starting lineup. I think they were hoping that he would be able to play. He, he wasn't able to play. And I think that, 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 that has set them back. Um, they're a program that plays very hard. Their team plays hard. Uh, their coaches coach hard. And so I thought it was a great win for us. You know, with all the new players that we have, and how those guys stepped up, I thought was really awesome. Of course, 48-7 to was the final score in that victory uh, for the Rams in the season opener. And Tyson, well, if you look at the stat line, you can see that he had another great game, another you know game that we were expecting out of Tyson Bajan. But in the first half, uh, I'll speak for myself, I thought he looked a little nervous. I thought he looked like he might have been putting a little bit, because there's a huge target on his back. There's so much pressure on him coming into this last and senior season, especially with NFL aspirations. I mean, there's scouts at like every practice. There's scouts just crawling around, NFL scouts crawling around Shepard, it seems, these days. Uh, but I thought he looked a little bit nervous going in uh, to that game in the first half and I asked coach about that uh, and he didn't say it in this clip but he made sure to look me dead in the eyes and see, he said Tyson Bajant doesn't get nervous and then in that uh, you know season opener do you think he was a little maybe nervous coming in because it's a big year for him 
I, I don't think that he was nervous, for one. I think that he was just we – were, we were putting a lot of different pieces of the puzzle together. He had a, he had a new receiving quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Beach was his one receiver that, he, that got a, a lot of catches from the previous year. Uh, he has a great relationship with Brian Walker, our tight end. You know, I think that, you know, we're, they're working out there. You know, they're kind of getting in their groove and oh, getting yeah. in their deal. Um, so I, I think it was just well, guys working to get in sync. Um, I, Tyson Bajan's not nervous. He's uh, <laughs> That kid prepares too well. He is a, a consummate preparation kid player. Uh, he, he prepares like I, I, I'd say there's a difference in arrogance and confidence. Arrogance is you think you're going to be good. Confidence is you prepared and done what you need to do. To, to execute the game plan. Tyson has been, been that guy to prepare and challenge himself since the day he walked on our campus. And he's definitely the vocal and physical leader of that uh, Shepherd Rams team. You can tell, you know, even in pregames, even just walking around campus, you can tell that, you know, the guys gravitate to him. And he, well, he controls that ship. Wherever Shepard goes, uh, well, wherever Bajan goes, Shepard goes. And finally, last couple play here. Uh, this is talking about the Edinburgh game coming up this week. Of course, noon kickoff, first home game at Shepard to start the season. Let's look ahead towards uh, the home opener, Edinburgh coming into town. They're 1-0 on the year. They had a 10-0 win over uh, Franklin P. Pierce University this past Saturday. Uh, what are you seeing out of them? Uh, we were talking before we went on the air. They're on a four-game win streak. We yeah. know that they're going to run the ball pr- pretty consistently, so it's going to test that young defense and new defensive core that you have now. Uh, so what do you got on the Scots? I, I would I would anticipate they're going to try and slow the ball down, slow the game down. Keep it out down, of Tyson's hands. Keep the ball out of Tyson's hands. They're going to try and be very ball-controlled, whether it's running or passing. Uh, they have a really good running back. They have a quarterback that will distribute the ball where he needs to, even in the checkdowns. I think they have some really talented little smaller wide receivers that can get open and do things. Um, we've got to continue to get pressure on the quarterback, make them uncomfortable with our four-down rush. I, I believe in our defense and how they're playing, um, and um, I believe that you know we're going to have a chance to get better and we're going to be able to work, work, you know, get after them a little bit. They're going to probably play field position. Uh, their head coach is a special teams guy, so I imagine he's going to try and pin us down as many times as he can to give us the longest field. We're going to have to be patient with what we have, not panic when things don't go well, and we're going to have to expect to drive the field and take advantage of it when we do get a short field. Um, so I, I'm anticipating a, a slow down pace by them, but I also feel that they're going to give us something unexpected, yeah. whether it's a fake on special teams, going after a block kick, you know. So we're we're going to have to we're going to have to be sured up in all of our game of football, you know, in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. I imagine they're going to be they're going to, they could throw some zone pressures at us and different things like that that could be you know a challenge for us. And that was uh, during the Ernie McCook Show, heard live every Thursday at 7.30 over on 95.9 The Big Dog, your home for Shepherd University football. So, fellas, listen back to that. Of course, thanks to all the people that came out to Captain Benders last night, all the Shepherd fans. I know some of the bridge crew was there. There were some former players uh, that Coach McCook had at Shepherd. some uh, fans just scattered around. It was a good crowd. It's always fun at Captain Benders, especially on Burger Night. And I'll tell you, fellas, the burger that I had there was unbelievable. Uh, but anyways... Talking about that, and specifically about the Bajan kind of comments, because I'd like to hear your opinion on it too, Luke. I thought he did look like the pressure got to him a little bit in that first half. But then once he kind of got his feet under him, he got a touchdown throw in, you know, the game got back to him a little bit. After that, I mean, it was lights out. 
Yeah, I had a couple of theories on that as well. I think nerves, I thought, had something to do with it. But also, you know, we talked about the physical changes that he's had in the offseason as well. And maybe that could have affected, you know, maybe he's just overcooking these balls a little bit more than he had last year. He's a few pounds lighter. He's a little bit stronger. Spend more time in the weight room and trying to figure out how to play. And I also said that, with all due respect to Southern Connecticut, that playing surface was not very good. Yeah. So all of that was conducive to him having kind of an eh first half but his average first halves are you know what the majority of division two <laughs> quarterbacks would just dream to have uh, and then he settled down to the second half and he looked great now we'll have to see in the Edinburgh game because it's very similar to Southern Connecticut it's a team that you're better than but if you give them a reason to stay in the game they can beat you if he comes out and struggles in the first half again then we'll have to start to push yeah. the agenda man this is kind of a reoccurring thing what's going on with Tyson you know some pressure some nerves whatever if he comes out and he's cooking like he always does then we could say it's just a blip on the radar you know, these are the games that you need to have those 400-yard, five-touchdown performances. Uh, if you have aspirations of continuing football in the postseason this year and in your professional career, um, those are the kind of games that needs to happen. So I talk about him being, you know, under pressure and then put tremendous amount of pressure on him. <laughs> but that's just kind of the way it goes when you're QB1 yep. like he is. And I think a part of that might have just been first-game jitters for yeah. Tyson, too. You so go too. in there, you've come off arguably the best season in team history you win the most pre- two history, pretty much. Yeah, you win. You win the most prestigious award in all of Division Two. There's a lot more eyes on Tyson Bajan now than there were this time last year, and I feel like that's going to be part of the thing going into this season. He knew he knows that coming in, and coming into that half, I mean, well, yeah, Southern Connecticut State. Looking at it from last year, yeah, it kind of looks like a skip on the rock team. Like, okay, easy win. Well, a little bit of a struggle there, but again, I think it was just first half jitters, maybe mm-hmm. getting everything used to it. Again, some changes in your physical appearance, some weight changes, kind of getting used to how you're going to work the football in with your new skill sets, your new receivers. I think, I think again, I think it might have just been first half jitters, if anything else, and I think Tyson will be okay. And we talked about a lot during the Ernie McCook show last night. So if you missed it, like I said, you can listen back to it over at WEPM, WCST, the Panhandle News Network on Facebook. You can also find it uh, through our Twitter page at EP News Network as well. But, hey, there was a lot of national sports going on yesterday, too. And, Luke, we haven't talked about it, and probably for good reason, because the Nats are nothing to talk about. But took the uh, game last night from your boys, the Cardinals, in a big way. So we'll talk about that because, hey, listen, I don't got a lot, I don't have a lot to uh, cheer about for the Nats this season. So if they're going to beat the Cardinals, especially with you sitting across from me, we're going to have to talk about it. So <laughs> stick around. It's coming up after the break here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. If you've missed any of the show so far, well, we've covered a lot of Panhandle sports. Of course, we have our Panhandle Game of the Week tonight, Musselman and Jefferson. Parker, you got a uh, big game tomorrow with Berkeley Springs over 92.9 WXDC. Yeah, we got a Saturday edition of some football going on in WXDC as the Indians look to get that first one of the season. They're going all the way to Braxton County, all the way to face the Eagles. That's going to be a fun one, I think, against two teams that are both looking for the first win of the season. And I think that's a good chance to get that first win for this 2022 season for Coach Ray and the Indians. That game's going to be at 1 o'clock on WXDC. I'll have pregame for you around quarter till 1, 12.50. If I can speak, <laughs> quarter till 1, 12.50 time. So if you want to listen to some Indians football, come on out. We'll have a good time. And then looking into the rest of the panhandle, what we got going on for this weekend. A lot of traveling from what I saw. Hedgesville's heading over to East Fairmont to play over there. Martinsburg's going across the state line to go play Sharando. I think that's going to be a fun one. 
Spring Mills is going to travel to South Hagerstown, and then Washington's going to make their way over to Frankfurt, which is going to be interesting. I'll have to keep an eye on the uh, Washington-Frankfurt game because that's a big game. That's a big one. And that South High game. Go Rebels. Oh, yeah. That's you know, I was going to ask if you had the inside scoop there. I don't. My goodness. I can't remember last time I was on campus, <laughs> let alone know anything about the football team. Uh, the head coach, Dave Lawrence, was my freshman coach and uh, head coach, and he was also an assistant coach. But Who would have thought? He's yeah. now the head coach of the soon-to-be state champion. South. What, what's the mascot? The Rebels. The Rebels. The Rebels. Yeah, South High Rebels. You're a part of this they are pretty good. They've, they've been pretty good the last couple of years. They've had some good uh, quarterbacks and running backs come through. Um, but the problem that, that always has been with South is, like, the line. Never had big guys. It's always been kind of smaller skill guys that come through uh, South, but never you don't have those big brooding dudes that are just going to be up front and you know keep keep all the skill guys in. Oh, literally every year. But then uh, you know, even though my was it sophomore year, I think junior year, uh, I think we had the biggest line in the state of Maryland. But man, just couldn't get it done. Couldn't get it done (laughs) that year, unfortunately. but yeah, we got our Eastern Panhandle game of the week as well tonight, and I don't envy your travel at all. I think our travel is going to be a lot easier uh, than having to go all the way to Braxton County. That's, that's a haul. And then it's, drive back after a West Virginia uh, Morgantown game at Morgantown night game. Yeah, that's that's going to be. I've speculated that one. I might be staying. I might be staying my Saturday night over in Clarksburg with my uncle, depending on how back the traffic is over there. Don't so blame he, you. He he offered it up. He said, "Hey, come on down. We'll." Bring your trunks. We'll try and go to the lake or something. So <laughs> I might, I might, I might have to take him up on that. So it's, I'm leaning that way right now. But we'll have to see how things shake out. And the main thing I want to keep an eye out on that uh, Frankfurt and Washington game mm-hmm. because looking at it right now, that is who Berkeley Springs gets next week. That's a big rival for them. They're going to be playing Frankfurt at home this year. So, and again, Frankfurt's looked pretty good. They're ranked in Double A right now. So. We'll we'll have to see how Frankfurt looks against Washington. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch between two teams that think got a lot to prove. Well, speaking of Washington, the Nationals they took one from the Cardinals last night, eleven to six. A couple of timely hits, uh, a lot of hits really in this game. And looking at the box score, I think there was thirty total hits, maybe a little bit more uh, between both teams. So the Nationals they're just trying to play spoiler with spoilers with teams at this point uh, as Cardinals fan are you nervous that you split one uh, split a series with the Nats not really uh Wainwright got a <laughs> little on, knocked man. around in this game uh which is a bit of a concern for the Cardinals who settled in from a pitching aspect uh and Albert Pujols was a a, a dreadful 0 for 5 in this one um but they've got such a big lead on the Brewers uh and then they've got timely pitching you know Adam Wainwright was kind of if you asked me six weeks ago because I thought that the Cardinals would be in the wild card game that that would have to be who would start for us but Jordan Montgomery's been great, and Jack Flaherty's come back and looked great. So I'm not that worried. Now, if the Nationals can do that to the teams in their remaining schedule and help the Cardinals out, that'd be great. <laughs> but, you know, for them to put up 11 runs in a game, um, is that Lane Thomas hitting? It is Lane Thomas. That's Cardinals reject Lane Thomas, who hit leadoff for the Nationals yesterday and had two hits. Mm. Good for him. Um, Luke Voigt actually is trying to, you know, he cares. Yeah, he uh, looks like he, he wants up. to be there now a little bit. Uh, but, you know, th- there's some good signs to see. Uh, your l- number nine hitter, Alex Call, drives mm-hmm. in a ton of runs in this game. Uh, there's some interesting pieces for the Nationals moving forward. Um, yeah. So it, it's nice every once in a while to uh, to beat a good team on the backside and give yourself something to cheer about for a couple of days and poke fun at the fan base. But from a Cardinals standpoint, I'm not that worried. No, I wouldn't be either. Yeah, the Nats are in the, they're in the long haul move right now where you're just waiting for these young guys to get some experience. Man- Manessis, he had such a breakout uh, month or two once he got called up. Now he's starting to kind of uh, settle in a little bit. Of course, Nelly Cruz is up here just doing you know crazy things at, what, like 67, however old he is now. Like uh, Kiebert Ruiz, young catcher. Um, he goes one for three last night. The Nats, they got the building blocks. 
they're just young, and there's no pitching still. So if you don't have any pitching, you're never going to win a lot of games. But yeah, they take one last night, 11-6. to Couldn't have been any happier. And we also had some football last night, some NFL football. And is it too early to say the Bills are probably going to be in the Super Bowl? If you had asked me who my Super Bowl teams were before that game, I would have You'd said Buffalo. You'd say the Ravens and yeah. Buffalo, right? Well, you can't, they <laughs> you can't, can't do that. But. I would have said <laughs> Buffalo probably t- hesitantly, but after seeing them play, yeah. Now, to be fair... The Rams did not play 60% of the roster in the preseason at all, which I think is stupid because they can't afford to drop games because of how good that division is. Mm-hmm. But they look rusty. Stafford did not look good. Um, they have no rapport between him and Robinson yet because they haven't played together at all. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot to figure. And Cam Akers didn't take a snap until the second quarter of this game. Daryl yeah. Henderson looked okay. But, you know, the Rams, and this isn't the first time this has happened to them, Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. And then not playing your guys in the preseason and having no chemistry, you know, talking about blocking assignments for your offensive line, blitz packages for your defense. They look like a team playing their first preseason game, and the Bills look primed and ready to go. I really think that Gabe Davis is going to have a good season. If they get any kind of pulse from Moss, Singletary, mm-hmm. uh, or the Cook. Cook, Cook, who fumbled on his first uh, carry. Yeah. Um, then they're going to be unstoppable because they're starting to put in these run pass options with Josh Allen that make no sense. But just because he's athletic enough to make the play, that little slant in the red zone when he took off like it was QB power and then threw a jump pass to uh, Stephon Diggs like he was Tim Tebow, it didn't work. Love but it will Stephon work. having good games, man. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. fun to watch. Uh, the Bills look like world beaters right now. And now it's up to the Rams. And don't get me wrong, I hate Stan Kroenke. I hope they never win again. But now it's like if you drop one of your next two games, it's going to be hard to get into the playoffs. And if you do, it'll be as a wild card team. And it's all because you weren't willing to get your players ready to play. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are concerning for this Rams team right now. Stafford, of course, was noted about having some elbow surgery in the offseason. I'm a little concerned about Stafford. I, I don't know what's going on. It seems like he really only has a comfortable connection with Cooper Cup on that offense right now. And I mean, teams are just going to start doubling Cooper Cup and who's Stafford going to throw to. He needs to get some more report going with Allen Robinson, target Tyler Higby. Try saying that three times fast. And then I want to hear you say it three times fast. Me? Yeah. Target Tyler Higby. That is, that is a, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's tough. But yeah, there's a lot of things concerning for this Rams team. Cam Akers not playing until the second half. Very concerning. I don't know what the deal is there. I mean, he recovered and was playing in the playoffs after that torn Achilles. So I don't know what the issue is there unless he's having some sort of flare up or things. But yeah, Buffalo looks absolutely dominant right now they finally have that number two to compliment Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis he looks fantastic he's people were priming him to have a really big breakout year it's looking like it's happening Buffalo's pass rush insane right oh, now the, the rookie corners were concerned they looked pretty good Kyrie Elam looked very good but they played the sixth rounder over him for most of that game his name yeah. escapes me yeah, um, I can't think of it as well I and he looked insane he looked and then Elam came in and played well and think you're not you don't even have a top five corner in the league in Tredavious White on your yep. roster right now that's a scary thought and if like you said Luke if Buffalo can establish a run game other than Josh Allen being your best rusher it's going to be tough for anybody to down and, Buffalo. And not to mention, really quickly, the Patriots aren't that good. The Jets are terrible. And the Dolphins, we expect to be better than they were last year. But like, there's no reason why they shouldn't win that division and pick up enough easier wins compared to other divisions in the AFC uh, to be the number one seed. Well, while we got a couple seconds here before we have to get to our last break, let's take a look at some of the uh, games coming up on Sunday. Of course, this week one in the NFL. So the 1 o'clock slate, I'll just kind of bounce around here. Got Steelers at Cincinnati. Who you guys got in that one? Steelers. 
Give me the Bengals by two touchdowns. Oh, am I, oh, my am I peeking into Parker's picks a little bit here? No, well, I the I did have the Bengals on my bonus for the NFL. Oh, this week. my I did, bad. I did, no, you're good. That's you're good. You're good. Let's run through them. I'm for well, it. Okay, so I'll I'll try and stay away from a quick here. Well, actually, no, we'll just come back. We'll, we'll cover this and Parker's picks and everything after the break. So I don't have to. <laughs> so I don't got to rate on your parade. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Bring them in. All right. Well, stick around. After the break, we'll wrap things up and we'll get Parker's picks and take a look uh, at the NFL schedule coming up this weekend because, man, I'm so ready to just sit on my couch on a Sunday and watch the Red Zone. And then the Ravens game. Well, mainly more red zone, if I'm being completely honest with you. But we'll talk about that after the break on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. So we got a, a big old slate of football games coming up this weekend. And among other things, well, we got the Ravens going on. We got a bunch. But Parker, before we start talking about the rest of the week one games, let's hear your picks. All right. So I'm going to throw two slates at you for this weekend. I got a college slate for you. So my college lock of the day, give me USC minus seven and a half against Stanford this weekend. I like that one a lot. I think USC is the only real chance now that the Pac-12 has to get into the playoff. And I like the Trojans. I'm really liking the Trojans. I was high on them big time with the Lincoln Riley hire. They got a lot of good pieces coming in. I like the Trojans minus seven and a half over Stanford this weekend as my lock. And some other picks I have for you concerning some NCAA. I like Notre Dame 20 and a half to beat the spread over Marshall. Sorry, Marsha. I'm sorry, but I gotta, I gotta, go, <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. No, I gotta go. Notre Dame. I gotta go. Notre Dame here. They're they're coming off of an impressive showing against Ohio State. And Listen, and if I if I think there's any upset that could be, and I'm not just saying this because Marsha's staring at me through the other window. If there's any upset that could happen in college football this weekend, crazy it's that. things happen in Huntington. Yeah, it's that one. I mean, Notre Dame's the most upset, susceptible team I think ever. That's in fair. The world. I just think Notre Dame's going to cover there. I think WVU is going to beat Kansas. I think that's going to be a good comeback victory after the events that took place in the backyard brawl. And I have Kansas State to beat Mizzou as well. And a bonus one for you as well. I like Baylor plus three and a half against BYU. That's going to be a tough one. That one's a coin flip game for the weekend. And I'm, I think that's going to be the best college game this weekend. It's going to be Baylor BYU. I got Baylor plus three and a half there, but either team can win that one. And on to the NFL picks. My lock is going to be the Ravens over the Jets to cover the six and a half spread. That's about as gimme as you're going to get in the the Joe Flacco revenge game, as we're going to call it. <laughs> and then some of my other picks include Bengals to win, Buccaneers to win by a field goal and cover the spread, and an upset. I have the Jaguars to beat the Commanders in this opening game. So here's a quick question for you guys. Of course, got Notre Dame and Marshall this weekend. What movie is better, Rudy or We Are Marshall? We Are, we are Marshall. Marshall easily. Wow, that fast? Close. We are really? Marshall easily. I'm going to get Whoa, chastised why? for like the Field yeah, of Dreams why? stuff. But like when we talked about top five baseball move, like yeah. Rudy, I, I, there's so much hatred that goes into that because of people not liking Notre Dame. And it, like when people talk. So why don't you like it? Do you think it's just a bad movie? Yeah. Well, it's an okay movie. It's a top 10 football movie, but it's not. I mean, Marshall, that that, that story is unreal. Yeah. Yes. The Rudy story, we've now come out. Who was the quarterback on the team? It wasn't. Oh, John, not, uh, it doesn't matter. Most of that stuff in that movie is all made up. <laughs> Let's be honest. And not to mention Rudy was offside. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, okay. here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Oh, boy. Uh, we are Marshall. A clear plus ratio. Wow. Yeah. I just think that the story is a whole lot better for We Are Marshall and Rudy, in my opinion. McConaughey was also in We Are Marshall. 
That yeah. also helps your Can't case. forget that. Can't forget that one. Anything with McConaughey in it, in it is a banger. But again, uh, looking at the NFL uh, slate for this weekend, one o'clock games. Of course, you went over a couple of them. Uh, let's see. Then Kansas City. Well, this is four twenty-five. So let's look at the four thirty games. Of course, you got Kansas City taking on the Cardinals. That's kind of an interesting matchup. And then your Giants taking on the Titans. Uh, four thirty. Really, there's nothing that really gets me too fired up. I like it. I like the Eagles and Lions for this weekend. I yeah. think I think the Eagles are on upset alert in that one. Detroit's got some potential there to pull the upset. If there was a couple games, I think that could result in that. Lions maybe upsetting the Eagles, and I also as mentioned before, I think I do think the Jaguars are going to upset the Commanders at home and a sneaky game as well. Watch out for Colts Texans. I think the Texans might have a chance to upset the Colts this weekend. Well, the thing about the Colts is they haven't won their Week One game since 2013. Exactly, which is crazy. That's not gonna. That's gonna change this year. But you're right. It's kind of a Week Week One slate. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for Buccaneers Cowboys because there's going to be so many points scored in that game. This is the perfect kind of Brady shaking off the rust. The Cowboys win Week One, and then Dallas fans free. It's our year. We're one of the Super Bowl, <laughs> and they start the year five and zero, and then they miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited as a Raider fan. Raiders Chargers huge implications. We talk about. The Raiders Chargers is the Musselman Jefferson of the NFL oh, yeah? because the winner of that game will have supremacy in the AFC West second best team. I think it's the Raiders. The rest of football media thinks it's the Chargers. We'll find out. So mm. when we come here on Monday, we'll know who the second best team in the EPAC is and we'll know who the second best team in the AFC West is. We got, we got to do it like uh, Junior League football. If your team won over the weekend, you wear your jersey into school. <laughs> On oh, that yeah. Monday, so if your team, wins, I was going to wear my jersey. Josh Jacobs jersey today. I just forgot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Oh man, here's the first text. Unbelievable, these guys talking about uh, y'all taking. We are Marshall over Rudy. I, oh. I I stick by my guns there. Kill me, kill me in the chat if you want. But I I I'm a We Are Marshall fan over Rudy. It's a good movie. I I mean, they're both good. I think I'm going to say I got to say Rudy's better. I got to say Rudy's uh, better. Maybe it's not as factually correct. As we are, Marshall. I still think Rudy got good. one tackle. Move on. It was a big one. It was a big tackle. <laughs> Tell me, you can't you can't say it wasn't a big tackle. Brought everybody in South Bend around. And brought everybody from small town America. They covered up. They covered up touchdown. Jesus. Notre Dame football has not been the same. Come on. <laughs> hey, you know how it is. You gotta get those seats in there, man. You gotta get people in the seats. But if you missed any of this Panhandle Sports Live, you can listen back to it a little bit later on over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook page. You can also find uh, the Ernie McCook Show from last night over there, which you can hear live over on 95.9 The Big Dog every Thursday at 7.30. But for Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. It's been Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCSD, the Panhandle News Network. Have a great weekend. Hopefully uh, you can relax a little bit on Sunday and watch a whole lot of football. That's what I plan on doing. Uh, but yeah, have a good one. Talk to you later. CST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.